Welcome everyone to Seek, Go, Create. This is your host, Tim Winders. This is another great episode. We've got, uh, I'll introduce you to the guest in just a moment. But if you've ever thought that you should write a book or ever thought that you need to have more authority in whatever your chosen field is, today is an episode that you need to listen to. We'll get to our guest in just a moment. First thing I'd like to do is just say welcome. This is the place where the seekers, the goers, and the creators come to hang out. We say that we like to redefine success in leadership, business, and ministry right here at Seek, Go, Create. I welcome everyone. If you're watching on YouTube, welcome. If you're listening on podcast, welcome. Or if you're catching us on any of the socials, thank you for being here. We love it when people engage with us beyond the actual episodes. So please, if you're watching this on YouTube, if you're on one of the socials, jump down in the comments, say hello, let us know you're here, ask questions, give us some thoughts, agree, disagree, whatever. We're, we're good with all of that. If you're on our podcast, one of the best things you could do is go over to our website, seekgocreate.com. That's seekgocreate.com. And you can go to each episode page. We've got extensive and detailed notes and resources for our guest. We've got an outline for each episode there. And you can also go down and add comments. And so make sure that you check that out. If you've never been to our website before, make sure you give us your best email address so that you can stay in contact and be notified when we have new episodes and new information that you may want to check out. So thank you for doing all that. Let's get rolling today. We have Michelle Prince as our guest today. And Michelle and I were just chatting before we got on. We actually, I was connected to her. I've known her longer than she's known me. Let's just say it that way. Because when I first started listening to podcasts a few years ago, she was a guest on one of the podcasts I listened to. And we'll get to that in just a moment. She's the best-selling author of Winning in Life Now and is a highly sought-after Zig Ziglar motivational speaker. Anyone that knows me that's been around this podcast know I'm a huge Zig Ziglar fan. She's gone on to author dozens of additional books and products in the areas of achievement, motivation, productivity, and success. She owns a publishing company and is the founder of the Book Bound Workshops, which helps soon-to-be authors get their story out of their head and onto paper. That's cool. We're going to talk about that. She knows we all have a story and she's passionate about helping others tell their story so they can impact other people's lives. Michelle, welcome to Seek, Go, Create. Hey there. Thank you for having me, Tim. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. And so I, I gave you a warning on this. First question <laughs> I like to ask, and there's so much more on your bio I could have gone over. You've got so such a rich background and so many things you've done, but we just bump into each other. We're either on a Zoom call or we're actually out in the real world. And I say, Michelle, what do you do? What do you typically tell people? Well, I typically tell them, well, first of all, I'm a mom and a wife, and um, but I own a training development company. I help people to, to really just discover who they already are and, and get it out there in a way um, through telling their story, writing books, getting it out there and building a platform. And a lot, and a few other things here and there too, but that, that's kind of the gist of it. All right. So I, I want to dive into one thing you mentioned first, because it's, it's something that I don't want to say I wrestle with, but I hear it all the time. Do you really believe that everyone has a story? 
I do. And the reason, well, my take on story is everybody has a story because every, everybody in that story, by the way, was given to us as a gift, right? And good or bad, whatever our, our, our story is, whatever we've been through in life, it's just kind of who we are. And um, if it's a gift, gifts are meant to be given away. And so I, I do believe everyone has a story. Most people don't think they do, but everyone's been through something that can help someone else personally or professionally. And that's what our stories are meant for. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And I agree. I was just trying to get you, I was kind of trying to get you, get your attention as we get started here. So, um, I love it. So, so, all right, let's, let's, let's kind of park that topic for just a moment. Cause we're going to come back to that because I really, my observation from doing research is that that is one of your giftings is to help pull that story out of people. And you've got a lot of tools in place, uh, events and other things to do that. And so what I'm going to do for the person listening, we're going to come back to that. Because if you're listening and you want to know how to pull that story out, we're going to get to that shortly. But what I really want to do, Michelle, is I like to die. I, I love stories. So I love to hear what people's stories are. And and I know that you've got connections. We, we were talking right before we went online. We have connections with so many people. But one of the biggest names that comes up with you, I think we need to go there first, is Zig Ziglar, who's a legend in all of the world. And if someone's listening and they don't know who Zig Ziglar is, shame on you, but check it out. But first thing I want to do, Michelle, is, is I want you to tell the audience who Zig is for the person that may not know. And then just unfold your story for us. And I might dig a little deeper as we go along. Absolutely. Well, Zig Ziglar, like you said, he's a legend. Um, he he's changed more people's lives than anyone I, in, that I know, and he's just a, a beacon of light and hope. And and it started with sales training, but but he he has written you know, over thirty books to help people just to be their best self, in in whatever area it is, personally, professionally. Um, I had the privilege of meeting him when I was eighteen years old, and it's a long story. I won't go into all the details. But my parents kind of forced me to go to one of his seminars. <laughs> And it was actually my graduation gift from high school, which I was not too thrilled about. But I went to the seminar, it changed my life. And it was it was then that I I just knew some way, somehow I was going to, and I know this, is, this sounds a little bold to think, but at the time I'm thinking, I'm going to work for this guy one day. And in fact, I, I, I felt it so much that I told him that at the seminar. Um, but it was literally almost five years to the day later that I ended up working for Zig. And it's, it's again, it's, it's a very serendipitous um, divine appointment that happened. I didn't sit down and plan how I was gonna go work for, for Zig, but, but I did. And it was just the beginning of an incredible time in my life. It was the beginning of my career. And it literally laid the foundation for everything that I, that I know professionally, but then just personally, he's, he's made a huge impact on me and very, very, very blessed to have been, had that opportunity to work for him. So 18 years old. All right. Now I'm thinking back to when I was 18 and I would like to think I was fairly ambitious and thinking big and things like that. First of all, I do want to say knowing what I know about Zig and I never met him face to face. I was in seminars and saw him and actually saw him late in his life. That was really powerful. I think his daughter was with him when he was speaking at that time. But, uh, but Knowing Zig, an 18-year-old walking up to him and boldly proclaiming, I'm going to work with you. 
I can just imagine the grin on his face. He did. He did. I mean, I, and that's just who he was. He was the most gracious man you've ever met, but he did. He just kind of smiled. He didn't say anything. He just shook his head. He smiled. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it's so funny to remember that because it feels like yesterday, but it was, it was a long time ago. So, yeah, I know that was a long time ago, but I, I like to, I really like to understand mindset because we all have these events in our life that we may not know them at the time, but when we look back on them, we see that they literally impacted the trajectory or the journey that we go on. My guess is, is that seminar had a big impact on where you ended up going. And obviously you profess something strongly, but I mean, were you, uh, this is going back a few years. I know you're super young, but, but a few <laughs> years when high school, would you consider yourself like a positive mental attitude person were you typical teen? Were you, I don't want to say rebellious or any of that kind of stuff. What, how would you describe you as a teenager going into that Zig Ziglar seminar? Well, that's a great question. So I was, I was a good girl. I wasn't doing horrible things, but I definitely had a chip on my shoulder and an attitude, especially toward my parents. And I think that might've been what fueled <laughs> the desire for them to send me to maybe come back with a little bit of a better attitude. But, um, but yes, I think I've always generally been a positive person. It's just kind of part of my, my personality, my, my disc profile, if you know anything about that. Um, but I knew nothing about personal development I, or, or really just even that whole world until I went to that seminar. I knew my parents read those books. I knew they had went to seminars, but I didn't really have, uh, in fact, I didn't even know the word passion at the time when I left that event because I loved it. I mean, I really absorbed everything. I, I, I just was so excited about it, but I didn't even know that that's what it was at the time. And, and truthfully, Tim, it wasn't until years and years later, even after long after working at Ziegler, because I left Ziegler to, to pursue a, and that's another long story, but to pursue a, a, a career in software sales. And it really, it just never occurred to me what a big impact it had on me. I knew working for Zig was a big deal to me. I didn't know it was a big deal really to anyone else. I didn't know how it was going to shape all of my thoughts, all of my interactions. It, it made a huge impact on me, but I didn't know it at the time. Um, it was, it was definitely later looking back I'm like, wow, that affected this decision and that relationship and that and big influence. I I mean, I, I, I listen, let me just go ahead and tell the listener that they need to get a copy of See You at the Top, that if they haven't read that, there's probably a tons of other things, but that'll kind of be there if they've never been exposed to Zig. I actually love the old audios of Zig to listen to him. We used to listen to him on cassette tapes and things like that. I, I, we, I just dated myself. I'm sorry. I know people <laughs> may be listening going cassette tapes, but... Uh, Man, I used to love to hear him talk about the redhead and all that. Anyway, but my wife and I really love those. But I love the discussion about Zig and all that he impacted because I, I think as we as we kind of continue to build upon all that you do and what you provide for people, it really is just this fascinating layering of a foundation of things that Zig set up years ago. What did you exactly do when you went to work for uh, the, the Zig Corp, I'll call it, you know, the. <laughs> well, when I was 18 and I professed that I was going to work for him one day in my mind, it was to be a speaker, but, 
just out of college with six months copier sales experience land you a sales job, um, which, which ended up being the best experience ever. So I was literally making a difference in people's lives every day. And that's kind of how I looked at it. Of course I was in sales, but it was whether someone was buying a book or a cassette tape back in the day, or they were, you know, hiring the company to do some training or bringing Zig in to speak. We were, we were making a difference in the lives of people. So, um, and you know, I was young, I was 22 years old or something like that and, and very ambitious and, um, very competitive. So I, you know, wanted to be top in sales and, um, but, yeah, so I was in sales for, for Zickler for, for about three and a half, almost four years. Excellent. And one of the things I know that you moved to, it seems, and you even mentioned it at 18, you kind of had that gene that you wanted to get the microphone and get up on stage and speak. When's the first time you recall having that thought? Was it how much before 18? Honestly, never. Um, oh. But I've always been a I've always gravitated toward leadership positions, you know, whether it was captain of my drill team or, you know, in college, I was president of my sorority. I just I've always gravitated toward being with people and 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 leading people, I would say. So but the speaking really honestly didn't occur to me until long after I worked at Ziegler. I mean, I think Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. Secretly, I long to do that. It's just like, oh my goodness, wouldn't it be amazing to be a, a speaker for Ziegler? And, but I was you know, so young, no experience. But it wasn't until, um, so then I left, went to pursue something else. And years later, I went to a, uh, a Women of Faith conference, which is one of these huge conferences. They, they go, or they don't, I don't think they do them anymore, but they used to go all around and in, in coliseums, so huge, thousands and thousands of people. And I'm there one time with one of my college girlfriends and I remember, I'll never forget it. I remember looking down at the speakers on the stage and saying to my friend, oh my gosh, wouldn't you just love to be a speaker at an event like this or, you know, and she looked at me with this disgust <laughs> and she was like, Michelle, you couldn't pay me a million dollars to stand on that stage, let alone open my mouth. And it was in that moment I was like, really like really like you wouldn't want to do that and then it, it it really occurred to me uh wow well maybe there is something you know we all have gifts and it never i was never afraid of it it, it got me excited and it was a few years after that that i actually wrote my first book and launched my business but it, it I, I i wish i could say i had this grand plan and it started when i was really young it, it's just you know all these doors just kept opening up and kept kind of following what you know, my passions and, and my giftings. Yeah, well, I I can totally relate to that because growing up, I would go into a room and sometimes you don't know if this, I'm sure this is not your thought process. You don't know if it's a delusional thing. It's like, hmm, I should lead these people. Uh, they need help. They need leadership. Or, you know, oh, look, there's a stage there. I should go step up there and say a few words just to encourage and uplift people. I... I kind of went through that for the longest period of time. I've kind of backed away from it just because of some, I've shared it on the podcast before, some failures we went to in business and mm -hmm. kind of questioned. But now I'm feeling that again. Did you ever go through a time that you doubted that that's what you were called to do? Maybe a time of, I don't, I hate to use the word failure. I think it's all learning, but anything like that, that you learn, it's like, hmm, let me question this path I'm going along. 
a million a million times and probably even this morning i mean <laughs> i i think it's it's just I, I feel like that's just part of life but yes the answer is yes i mean there were so many times when i first started my my own business and, and wrote my book and really kind of launched into the speaking i didn't know what i was doing i was literally just following you know the prompting and and i thought i knew what i was doing and, and i made a lot of mistakes i I didn't know how to run a business. I knew how to speak about things that I was passionate about, but I really didn't know. I, I just, I made a lot of mistakes in building a business. And so, yeah, that, that kind of hurt. But then I always look at it as, you know, but then there's someone else who's probably a step or two behind me that if, I, if I'm open and say to them, look, this isn't as easy as, it, as I thought it was. And here's some of the things that I had to learn. Here's why I have a higher coach. You know, here's what I did that was maybe a little bit um, different. If it helps shorten their learning curve, then, I, then it's worth sharing. So um, I've answered that question a different way, I think, than you intended. But the answer is yes, yeah. I have definitely doubted. And, um, but I think that that's, that's just, I think we all do to some degree. Well, I, there was a time that I think my mindset was was maybe even at a dangerous place where I didn't have doubts. I didn't, because uh, sometimes that can be a little bit dangerous. You know, you hear people say, oh, I've got no fear and all that kind of stuff, which, you know, the maybe the more mature we get in life, we realize, you know, you do need a little bit of that just for, I guess, humility purposes or something like that. But does That's, that make you sense? You bring up a good point. Totally. And in fact, I can relate to that. You know, if I think back to, so I've been in business about 12 years. Um, and when I first started, like I said, I was so naive and so excited. Like, I mean, I would have done anything, spoken to any group, helped anybody, coach anyone for free because I was just, I just loved it. And I, I really felt like I was using my gifts. Um, but then, you know what? That's interesting you say that because a, a couple of years into it, I think I got, uh, you know, I started attending groups and masterminds and trainings, which is all wonderful, not saying a bad thing, but I, I do think it kind of led me down a different path, maybe a different ambition um, than what it, what it started as for me. And so there was actually a point a couple of years in that I, I literally had to, you know, all those years I'm like running and running and running to build and build and build and build. And I, and, and in all of those cases, I felt like God was calling me to do that. And, but then there was a, a period where I felt like, um, I was told just to stop, you know, stop, stop running, stop chasing the wind, stop, you know, just, just let me let it happen. And, and I did, I pulled back from a lot of things and, um, and I guess you could call that a, a mistake because I, I do, I do believe fully that I was probably chasing the wrong things. Um, yeah. but you know, redirecting and, and all that, but it's all part of my story. You know, it's just part of my journey and, you know, yeah. we all go well, through things like that. <laughs> that's, that's really good. And just so you know, if I look to look down here, you can kind of see my eyes. I'm actually making notes because I get word triggers when I'm mm -hmm. having conversations like this. And I've got my notes where I did research on you. I rarely get to them because I have these triggers that go off. I, I consider them the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. uh, you know, whatever. Some people may yes. think differently. but uh, And I wrote down three things. So I'm going to kind of let you know where I think we may be going. Okay. <laughs> one, one, I wanted to ask you about being a female in this industry. We'll get to that in just a second. Mm -hmm. So don't answer it just yet. 
The other, I want to ask you about your faith because you've brought it up a few times and we don't shy away from that here on this show. And so I want to ask a little bit about that. But but you just said something, you talked about chasing. And, and I wrote down the word copy because you mentioned going into masterminds. I've done the same thing. We get into this world, and especially now with social media, Michelle, mm-hmm. to where we think we want to create something that looks like uh, Zig's business or, you know, some friends of ours business or uh, Joe Rogan or any. I mean, we can name names all we want. But then after a period of time, that starts shifting. So would you Mm -hmm. say that you were modeling your business after something? I don't want to say copy because that doesn't actually sound healthy. But but I mean, does that make sense? In other words, we kind of get in this uh, imitation business instead of... Mm -hmm. uh, creating our own thing. Yeah. Authentic. Yeah. 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 Talk about that a little bit because I think it's important later when we talk about how people come up with their own story. So let's dig a little deeper here. Yeah, no. And this is a great thing to dig into because it it is very easy and especially in the world of training and speaking. I mean, it's a small little world, but, and, and, you know, we're all trying to do the same thing. We want to make a difference. We want to help people make an impact, but yet then there's some that have been doing it longer and they have models and first you do this and then this, and then this, and then this, and they're all great. And there's no lack of things for us to do, right? It's just a matter of figuring out what's, what is it that is really authentic for you. And, and I think in the beginning, I just wanted to, you know, swipe and deploy, let's replicate it. If it's working here, let's go. I'm going to do it. I'm going to build it. I'm going to do this campaign and that campaign. And, and I, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, I think what I realized is number one, you have to associate with people that have similar values and, and similar mm. dreams and goals. And I think most people who want to speak and train, they, they, they do, they want to help people. Um, I found that after a couple of years of going out to so many different places and coaches and things like that, that, you know, I, I realized that really where my DNA is, my messages is really more around Ziggler. And it's not just with Ziggler, but it's, it's those, what those foundational principles are. Those are very important to me. And, you know, could I be and I think I, I was when I was running after certain things and trying to, to build this and grow the business and all that, I, I don't know how authentic I was being anymore because it, the passion wasn't there as much. And so what started as this light of just, you know, so excited that I'm being led to do, you know, what I felt like I was called to do all of a sudden became very um, stressful and, and it just wasn't what I thought it was. And so, um, but that was actually the greatest gift for me because it was a time in my life where I, I, I stepped back and it's like, now, what, wait a minute. Now, what, what do I really want from what, not what can I do? What do you want me to be doing, Lord? I mean, not, <laughs> I'm tired of following my own advice. Like, help me, <laughs> um, you know, and I, I don't know if anyone can relate to this at all, but it's, it's, um, and I'm doing it every day. It's not like I have it figured out. I think we're all trying to do that, but authenticity is a word that I use a lot. It's really, really important. And authenticity doesn't mean that you're just vulnerable and you share every detail of your life, but it is just, you know, figuring out who you are, what do you stand for and and putting your stake in the ground in that a little bit so that you will attract other people who are like you versus chasing other people who may or may not be like you. 
Yeah, I, I love that. You know, what's interesting, I'm of an age that words like authentic, intentional, I do not recall. I mean, I, I've been around self-improvement. I've, I first probably was exposed to Zig in like 1990 or something like that. And was around multi-level marketing businesses where, you know, really fed from a lot of that. And I actually did corporate training as early as the early nineties, late, late eighties. And I do not ever recall hearing those words in those circles. I, I don't recall Michelle, and I'm, this is going to be a question here. I don't recall hearing the words really until the last maybe five seven years ago. Do, mm -hmm. do you remember with all your experience, when's the first time you heard people talking about being authentic? That's a great question. You know, thinking back to the nineties and that time period where training and development and, and, you know, that's really when Zig was rising bigger than ever. And there's so many other big names that everyone would recognize, um, you know, the big motivational events that were all around the country that, one thing I do remember working for Zig and, and, and under and hearing never out of his mouth, but just, just kind of, it was like a known thing was that certain people behave differently behind closed doors than others. Right. Or, or certain people are not necessarily exactly the way they are on the stage as they are off the stage and having the privilege of working for Zig. I remember thinking, wow, Zig is actually better off the stage than he is on the stage. So, I mean, like I just had, I didn't have a different uh, role model example. So the word never came up, but I know it was, it was, people sensed it, right? People can sense things. And I, you know, I, I, I think I talk about it mostly because, um, I mean, all you can be is yourself, right? And I, I think I tried for years to be somebody else. I was always a people pleaser. And, and it's usually when you kind of break through like, well, no, this, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. It's usually when you start making a bigger impact in people. But I think what you're, what people are attracted to isn't necessarily you. It's just you being real. It's, it's why everyone loves Zig. He never stood up there and was perfect. I mean, yes. Now, let me tell you, he, he read four hours a day. He practiced you know, three hours before every speech. But And yes, he had it down to a science. But it came from a place of authenticity. And I think that's why people really connected with him. And it was his stories. It was not saying, look how great I am. It was, let me tell you what I've been through. Let me tell you why I'm just like you. And I think if the word wasn't said, I think they felt it, right? They felt sincerity, they felt authenticity. And, and I think we crave it maybe now, Tim, because of the, the world we're in with technology, maybe we crave it more than we did back then because we sense there isn't a lot of authenticity online. Yeah. And maybe. One, yeah. One thing that's intriguing about it, there was a word that I wrote down that I don't know if because I'm a child of the 80s, go, 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 greed is good, all that type stuff. But I wrote down the word impress. It seems as if a lot of, maybe I was wired this way. Maybe it was something that I need to work through. But, but speaking, uh, some of the businesses I did, a lot of the people that I was around, it seems like they were more interested in impressing than being authentic. And it seems as if we're flushing, or at least some circles are flushing that out mm -hmm. now. Now, I do agree some people oh, yeah. are like going, they're going down the authentic rabbit hole and they're, they're kind of like going the hot mess route is what I call it, where it's yeah. like they want to show their messes and all that. And I, I don't know that I like that either. I think I'm on this age group, though, where maybe we tried to impress 
And, and, and we need to learn how to be authentic. My wife and I have these discussions all the time. It's like, what do we share with our social media? It's like, Hey, we live in an RV. We are Mm -hmm. essentially nomads. We're homeless. We need to probably share that with people. Maybe it'd be cool and all that. But anyway, I think a lot of people in that world were trying to impress and, and I use the word hypocrite. They were not, their words and actions didn't line up. They weren't the same all the time. You may have mentioned that. So you were about to say something. Well, we're in the same era. So I was a child of the eighties as well. And I think I never would have thought about that, but I think you're right. I mean, that was definitely the era of success and, and, you know, building and working for big companies. And I remember some of my favorite movies, you know, secrets of my success and some of those, you know, where it's, it is, it's, it's, it's being successful, which I think in, in a lot of people's minds was perfect or they had it all orchestrated and, and, um, I, you know, and, and I do think it's just the timing life over the last, I'd say 15 years or so people, I mean, who would have ever thought of taking selfies, you know, 20 years ago or videos or things like this, because you didn't do that. You didn't let people see that side of you unless you were family, right? You, otherwise you had your perfection and your appearance of like, you know, you've got it all figured out. And, and that's where maybe things have shifted. And maybe that's where people feel more compelled to share their story. And their story is never going to be that they have it all figured out and that they're perfect. And I just think people relate to that. I know me personally, I connect more with someone who stands up there and says, I don't have it all figured out. I'm not, you know, I'm still on this journey. I'm like, okay, that person's just like me. And I think that's what we all want. Yeah, I was recently in, I might've been Clubhouse or something, and I was telling a co-moderator, I said, you know what? We don't need to present ourselves as experts. We're just facilitating the conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think there's this line that people cross where they move into quote unquote expert guru status, Mm -hmm. whereas maybe we just pull information together and listen, I, I know that there's a lot of wisdom to be gleaned from a lot of people, but boy, we need to, I guess that word humility is a great word. All right. Mm-hmm. I've, I've got two other words here that I want to get to, but I want to frame this in kind of a different way. I have my wife and I, we are first time grandparents. I know you've got two sons and also this is a few years on, down the road for you, but let me just tell you a game changer, just so you know. <laughs> and it, it's a granddaughter. And one of the things that we think about kind of relates to what we were just talking about is what type of world is she going to grow up in? We can still remember a world where we were offline and disconnected. People growing up now, they're not going to have that. And I'm going to layer this with some heavy stuff. Okay, Michelle. So I'm going to let you, and then I'm going to, I'm just going to kind of wind you up and let you go. (laughs) She's also a female. I know that as a male, there are certain things that are different for you in the business world than they are for me. I'm not trying to present either one of us as a victim or anything, but I know that's the case. So I would love for you to speak to, I'm almost asking you to talk to my granddaughter for me mm-hmm. and just give her, this is what to expect. This is what things may be like. And, uh, and, and kind of growing up with just some of the things we just talked about with authenticity. So, and I also want to allow you to tie your faith into it. 
because mm-hmm. I could tell that faith has been important. So did I pile on too much for you there? You, you can hand, you can handle No pressure, it, just you? the life of your granddaughter and you know, her, her trajectory is all in my hands right now. No, I'm yeah, kidding. no pressure. <laughs> no pressure, no. no pressure. Just be authentic, be authentic no, when kidding. you do it. Not. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, wow. You know, no one has ever really asked me anything like that, but that's a great, that's, that's, that's a great question because I feel very blessed to be a woman. I mean, I, I think that especially anyone born now, and, and I agree and even with kids who are, um, you know, I have a 17 year old and a 21 year old, you know, they're the life that we knew in the eighties and what was possible for women and what was expected of women has changed so much that I feel like there's more opportunity now for women than ever before that's not a cliche. I, I, you know, I happen to believe that, you know, every single human being has the ability to make an impact in this world, male or female. Um, and we just bring different gifts. So, you know, I, I would say to just be proud to, to figure out who you are, whose you are, what you stand for early, early in life. Um, you know, I was a people pleaser for way too long. And I don't think I had that figured out until I was, you know, a little bit older, but I feel like someone in this generation there, you, you don't have to be anybody other than who you are. And there is, should be no fear, no shame in that. And just to, to own it and be proud of that. Um, but more importantly, just figure out the why you're here because, um, and especially as believers, you know, we, we are here for a reason. We are here for a purpose. And, um, you know, I know I talk about writing books. It has nothing to do with books. It's all about figuring out your story, which is really a gift from God. And, and it's really, it's our, it's part of our purpose on earth is to share who we are with other people. Um, you know, we're the body of Christ. So I, that would be my advice to, to her or to anyone is the sooner you can really get clear on that, the, the, the happier you're going to be, but the more people that you're going to impact um, but the other thing is, you know, don't be afraid to stand up for yourself and speak your mind. I, you know, so many times, and again, this generation may not ever have this issue, but I know in our generation, you know, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything all was at all was always said kind of in our, in our house. And, and not that that's a bad one, but it's okay to voice. It's okay to have an opinion. It's okay to differ from other people. Um, always approach everything with grace and, and, you know, with the intention to help someone and but but don't be afraid to speak up and just be who you are i i think um you know i hope i i hope i have granddaughters someday and uh, i have two boys and i just have a hunch i'm gonna have all granddaughters we'll see let's come back to this podcast in about 20 years maybe um but i i hope that yeah more than anything i just if for little girls to just love who they are unconditionally yeah from the get-go. That's, um, that's beautiful and I appreciate, now I've got this on recording, so that's really gonna be cool. But uh, there's one other item I wanna go to before we kind of go over into making a difference and pulling out some of your principles that you teach. And you've mentioned the term people pleaser a few times. And to me, one of the big challenges in the digital age are people that may have that, which is, it's not directly related, but it is related, that comparison Mm -hmm. mindset. It's just too easy to do in the world we're in today. Whereas, you know, we're dating ourselves a little bit. Back in the 80s, you know, I had like three neighbors around me. You know, we went to school (laughs) and all that, and you can look at people, but 
where I grew up, everyone sort of looked the same, you know, kind of. And so, but now we can compare ourselves to the world. And I guess I would love for you, I I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, there are some people listening in, Michelle, that have that, that personality profile, that makeup, that gene, whatever we want to call it, of being a people pleaser. Can you just talk a little bit more about how that can manifest negatively and then how one can address it to make it a positive? Yes. And then we'll, move, then we'll move along. It can be. Yeah. I mean, listen, we're, we're wired for, for, for certain things. I think the Lord blesses us with certain skills. So it's not always a negative, but it really can be in the world we're in today because of the ability to compare so easily. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the desire to want to serve others, to, to make people happy is a good thing. But if it's at the expense of yourself, meaning if you are showing up as a person to make someone else happy, or if you're saying something in a certain way to make that other person happy, and it's hurting you, then that's, that's, there's inconsistency there. So it's a really fine line. You know, when I, the way I describe it for myself growing up, you know, I just wanted to be liked. I just wanted to, you know, I didn't, I don't like conflict and I just, you know, so sometimes I would adapt to the environment I was in. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but there were several times that I wasn't authentic with myself. And I knew I didn't really like what I was saying or doing or who I was hanging out with. But that other, I wasn't being authentic and letting them know that. So that's people pleasing in my mind. So I was at the expense of my happiness. I was trying to make someone in relationships, dating, all of those things play a part, especially mm. when you're younger. But, you know, there is the good side of it. You know, I still I still want to be liked. I don't want people to hate me. Right. But I, I think it's shifted a little bit more of, you know, this is who I am. Um, I'm not going to I am who I am. Right. And there's things about me that, you know, I may not like or other people don't like, but God made me. And, and I, you know, whoever you are, however you've been made, it's it's exactly who you're supposed to be. So be proud of it. And, and don't be ashamed to step back. I think what it is, is, you know, um, you know, there's one of my favorite verses in Matthew is, you know, a city on the hill cannot be hidden. And it's, you know, all about shining your light, right? And, and what it means to shine your light is to just shine who you are, obviously, through Christ, but it's, it's not holding back. It's not like showing, okay, I'm just going to show this part of my life. I'm just going to show it. It's, it's just being who you were created to be. And I think that's, that's when you, when you approach life, that's the good side of people pleasing, right? You want to shine your light to make a difference in other people, difference in other people's lives, but, um, but not changing yourself to do so. I don't know if that's making sense or not. No, it, it, it absolutely does. I think that's beautiful because it really emphasizes the, the, the peace that is our faith that goes with our personality, the way we were created. And so I, I, I love the way you worded that because, you know, one of the things I say all the time is, you know, an overused strength can become a weakness. Let's just say that whatever, it, let's just say we enjoy speaking in front of groups. If we always gravitates toward that, gravitate towards that, that could become a weakness of ours. It's like, hey, if there's a microphone, I'm grabbing it. But, but it's a skill that we've been given. So I, I, I agree with it. Actually, it's interesting. My wife has that personality. And one of the things as her spouse that I have to watch out for, this is like real vulnerability time here, so I have to be careful, 
is that I can use her people pleasing. I don't want to say as a manipulation, that sounds really strong. I could use it to my advantage. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and so we have to really be mindful of that, especially when we've got our partner and, and people we're around. So anyway, I think that's very valuable what you shared. And I'm going to use that to lead in to really, I think, our big topic here. And that is your specialty, your expertise, because it's really owning who you are and stepping into, I think, the term you use, your power of authority. Mm-hmm. And and you've got all kind of great phrases here. I've got them written out, but I'm going to let you share them. I, I want you to talk first about how you came into that saying, and that is, I guess, seizing or bringing to fruition, manifestation, the power of your authority, because I I know that that is a big message that you share. Talk to us about that. Well, so it's, it's the, the book that I wrote was called The Power of Authority. I wrote it in 2019. And, you know, it is a little bit of a play on words, whereas you can't spell authority without author. And I do love helping people to become authors, right? So, you know, there, there was that and, and, and part of that, that book and, and that saying was really geared toward people that when, when you see that your book is your business card and that when you are the authority, you are the authority by what you already do. So whether you're a dentist, a real estate agent, doctor, you know, um, in ministry, you have all of this expertise, but to make it so easy for other people to recognize that expertise is when you write a book or share your story. When people know the backstory of what you do and why you do it, uh, one, that connects you to people, but two, there is just something about being an author. I wish I could explain it. It's a phenomenon, but we put a lot of credibility in, in books and in authors. And so the power of authority is, you know, leverage it. What you know, all of the years you've been in school, all the things that you've learned, all the ministry work you've done, rather than just keep it to yourself, put it out there to help other people. But what you'll find is you'll be able to leverage it. So that's kind of where that started. Um, I mean, it's, there's, there's a lot of different play on words. Um, as a Christian, we have the authority, right? That we need mm-hmm. to recognize and claim our authority in, in Christ. And, and so, um, you know, there's that side of it too. But I always hesitate when I talk about the books because, or, because I do have a publishing company. I do love this. But at the end of the day, it's really not about a book. It's never been about a book. You know, because you can do the exact same thing like we're doing through a podcast. Your story can be showcased on a stage. A book just happens to open up a lot of doors. And for me, it happens to be the easiest way to get my story out initially. But it's not about the book. It's about your story and, and really seeing, you know, who you are, the gifts that you have, uh, what passions you have, what experiences, and how you can bring those together to make an impact. The, old, the only reason books exist is for the reader, essentially, for to help someone overcome something or learn something or get through something. So that's when, when, when I help people with stories, figuring out, well, what is it that you've been through, good or bad? What are you passionate about? What experiences do you have that you could share with someone else to help them down the road a little bit farther? And, and so that's a, a long answer to your short question, but the power of authority is there is leverage and taking all that you know and putting it in a book and becoming an author. Yeah, and I, I love, I think you're... I don't know if it's your subtitle or anything is find your passion, know your priorities and share your story, which I've got it in my notes here in front of me in all caps for some reason. I don't know why I wrote it in all caps, but I I love what you just said, Michelle, because I want, 
I, I want the listener to hear this. Many times people will listen into a conversation like this. They know they've got something inside of them and they will automatically go to what I call a tactical uh, mm -hmm. solution, which is write a book. But I love what you said. It's like it could be that you need to get on stage. It could be that you need to build a big Instagram following or TikTok or something. There are so many avenues now. I hate to keep dating ourselves that weren't available 30 years yeah. ago for people to get their message out and share their story. And I, this is kind of me, true confessions here. I have actually recently had this guilty pleasure of TikTok. And I was real <laughs> negative about TikTok. Is, is that like too much to share here? No, no. <laughs> you know what amazes me, Michelle, is how many super talented people there are out there that in 60 seconds, they are sharing their talent with the world right now. Yes. And before this vehicle, they had no way of doing that. And I'll just sit there at night. I'll say, I'll tell my wife, Glory, I said, Glory, we don't watch TV or anything. I said, I'm going to jump on TikTok. I'm going to do about 15 minutes. And I'll watch something. I go, oh, you got to see this. And I'll turn it to her and she'll say, okay, I don't need to see everything. <laughs> because, Michelle, there's so many ways that people can find their passion, know their priorities, mm -hmm. and share their story, correct? Mm -hmm. Totally. And obviously, we want to hear these stories. I think we're drawn to the true mm -hmm. story, the backstory, the you know, who you are and why you do what you do. I mean, that's really what all of these platforms are, right? So it's, it's um, there's never been a better time to have the freedom to just share who you are, share your story. And there's so many different avenues. I mean, that's a big part of, you know, when we teach the power of authority is it's, it's building the platform. But the platform has a, has a purpose. It's not just to have a platform to be famous or to make a lot of money, which those are not bad things, but the platform is what enables you to speak into somebody else's life. And it's, it's that, uh, it's the significance part of things like, right. There's success and then there's significance. And when you, when you transition from just knowing something and being good at it to now sharing it in a way, like on a platform, now that's significance because you know, you're making an impact. And so you have to know your story and, I do believe putting in a book is one of the easiest ways to really open up a lot more opportunities, but you don't have to start there. Yeah. And, and, and we'll talk in just a moment, maybe some basic steps to get started with that. But speaking of story, what I would love for you to share, I, I agree. I, I've seen people that, you know, we talk about what a powerful business card, a book can be. Mm -hmm. yes. I've actually been amazed at what's happened with this podcast. I've had a few mini celebrity experiences. It hasn't gone to my head, though. Don't worry about it. But uh, where people find out I have a podcast, which is just talking into a microphone, as far as I'm concerned, where they actually think it's a really big deal. But I know you've seen examples or stories of people that they were at one stage of the authority scale before the book. And then after it's almost like something happened. Can you share, uh, I don't know if it's just some people you've helped or examples, mm -hmm. give a couple of stories or examples of people that went from, I'm doing this with my hands for people that are listening, you can't see, but like low on the authority scale, they had a skill, talent, a story to tell. All of a sudden book comes out and they're like at an eight or a nine 
on the authority yeah. scale. Share some of those, or at oh least one, gosh. if you if you have it. May I didn't I prep you on that. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's God, I'm thinking. I have so many. I mean, there's so many people, and it's the the whole reason behind the power of authority that this is. And, and, you know, when I was doing my podcast, which I'll bring back soon, but I was interviewing people on how are you leveraging the power of authority? Because no matter who you are, there is something that happens when you have a platform. Like you said, yours is a podcast platform, an author platform. Um, so some of the examples, I mean, we have so many different clients. One is I can think of as a doctor that, and he says that having a book was the number one best marketing initiative he'd ever done, that the results were in uh, millions of dollars. Um, those are his words, not mine. So he was already successful in his own right. But what it did is it just, it, it solidified him as the go-to authority in his particular niche. And that was one, I mean, people who have never even dreamed of speaking. And then all of a sudden they wrote a book told, even if they wrote a book for their kids or, or something like what, which is my story, I never intended really to build a business, but they write this book and then somebody finds out and then they get asked to come and speak and get paid. And then they're like, oh my gosh, what do I, I mean, I had one woman actually, this was years ago. We helped her write a book about adoption and it was something she was just going to do for her own. She just wanted to document her kids' stories, you know, and one of the, uh, the president of the largest adoption agency in the world somehow heard about that she wrote a book because that's where she, she adopted through that agency and reached out to her and asked her to come and speak at their annual conference. And by the way, we're offering to pay her a couple thousand dollars. And then they bought a book for every single person in attendance. And I'll never forget the day she called me. She's like, Michelle, oh my gosh, you won't believe this. She's a stay-at-home mom. She's like, I just got a call and they're asking me to speak. What, what do I say? And I said, well, you say yes <laughs> and you do it. And she did. And so, you know, there's so many stories. It's, it's part of, I don't know. And I'll, I'll, I'll be bold and say this. I really don't know anyone who has ever written a book that has regretted it. Meaning like it's, it's, it takes most of us a really long time to get to that point to decide to do it. Uh, but when you finally get the courage and you finally put your story out there, in almost all cases that I can think of, usually that person will say, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I didn't do this sooner. Because, wow. and it's not about the book. It's not about what it makes or what it sells for. It's more of like, I got a phone call from someone who, who read my book. I don't even know them. They said my story changed their life. I mean, things like that happen all the time. And there's just so much power in it. it it's, uh, yeah, it's well, selfish yeah. in a way because you get more out of it <laughs> than the people probably reading it. But um, yeah. personally. Well, well, the cool thing about it is, is you brought up with the doctor, the monetary value, yes. but then there's oh, yeah. sense of accomplishment. There's mm -hmm. the value. I mean, maybe feeds a, a little bit of our sense of significance. Got a quick yeah. story for you that I think you'll love. We interviewed uh, Mitzi Purdue, and I, if someone's listening in, that podcast is not going to release until mid-March, so it could be after this recording, but before this one's released, go back and listen to it. But Mitzi Purdue is from a long line of family from the Sheraton Hotel chain, and oh. she married into the Purdue family, which is the Purdue Chicken, so there's two legacy families that she is a part of. On one side of the family, I can't remember which one it is, but we talk about this in the episode. They require, before a family member hits their 60th birthday, that they write an autobiography. Really? And it's and they made it. They wow. don't have to publish it, but it becomes part of the archives of the family. How cool is that? Mm, that is 
a great idea. <gasps> I love that. And, and it's just beautiful. She talked about it in the episode. So make sure if you're listening in and maybe you go in and yeah. listen, it's going to be released sometime in mid-March of 2021. Okay. And then another one, and maybe you can talk about this and then I'm going to tell you about a book I've got. And we'll talk about that as we, as we move towards finishing up. We've got a mutual friend. Mark MJ, he was actually interviewed on this podcast. He and I have known each other for 20 years. And and if anyone wants to listen to that episode, go back to spring of 2020. Very successful in real estate, but he's also an Ironman. And I know you and your company, y'all are helping him right now bring the story that's beyond his real estate to life. So I, I know he wouldn't mind, but just tell a little bit about what the process is like. Because I actually, I, I, I work with him. He and I have known each other for a long time, so I know he won't mind sharing. So give a little glimpse of what that looks like when you're working with someone like, like MJ. Oh, MJ, what an incredible man, family, everything. Um, well, yeah, so you know what? We're just, he's doing the heavy lifting. It's his story. He's getting it out of his head onto paper. In fact, he had already started a project before. So we're kind of helping revise um, and republish something that has been there, maybe um, kind of the next version of it. But, you know, the process isn't hard. The hardest part is figuring out what your story is and figuring out what it is that that you could put into a book, um, but but the actual publishing of it, what we're doing for him is is the, you know, we call it more partner publishing because we're just we're just partners with you to try to help get that book produced and out there as quickly and as professionally as possible, but you know like the editing and the publishing and all that stuff, um, but that's that's kind of what we're doing for him, and then you know for anybody else who isn't even at that point of publishing. You know, we also will help with figuring out, well, what is my story? And, and th that's, that's my favorite thing to do because I, I could honestly, and I do believe this, I could, if I had 15 minutes with anyone, I could probably pull out, probably pull out the core, their core story. I always use that word core story because we all have things we could talk about, but it's like, who are you really? Your core story is just who you are. It's who God made you to be. It's what you're passionate about. And it doesn't take long to figure that out. Um, for ourselves to figure it out, it takes years. <laughs> it took me decades, yeah, it, but for it, someone it, else too. It's an amazing thing. I'm I'm a coach. I work with executives, leaders, and people like MJ and other people like that. I can do it with other people all day long. I sometimes struggle with myself, so that's really a, I know, a cool I know. thing. All right, with, with MJ, I'm going to be working with him on the marketing and all the business things that are going to spin off for it, so I'm excited to see that process, but... This is kind of confession time for me, part two or three or whatever. A few years ago, I felt compelled to write a book. Okay. And the book is written, it is finished, and it is sitting in my, on my desktop. And the only people that have seen it are inside this RV and a couple other people. Now, mm -hmm. it's a little bit different, which might be a good time for you to speak to this. It's okay. actually a novel. It would not be a leadership book, which probably should have been the first thing I wrote or something on business or, you know, our successes or how we went from million dollar companies to homeless mm -hmm. to living. It, it's nothing like that. It actually is a novel. So go ahead and speak to, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to open up right now for you to coach me a little bit on what I might should do next. Well, I will preface it by saying, 
99% of the books we do are nonfiction, but, but the process yes. to publish is the same. Um, do you feel good about the content? Do you feel good about the manuscript? Yeah, okay. I, feel, I feel pretty good about it. What's your <laughs> ultimate goal? Why, what do you want to see happen as a result of getting this book out there? You know, I want to impact people's thought processes with everything I do. This mm -hmm. podcast, my book, all of that. And you'll get a kick out of this. The book is in the same genre as Ogmandino books. Oh, it would be okay. in the Ogmandino book, modern day parables, modern day story, stories that. to to make a point and to tell a um, to tell a story with purpose. That's really kind of the 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 mm, method. Those are the best kind. Yeah. So do you want to, how do you want to bring it to life? Do you want to work with a publisher? Do you want to try to find a traditional publisher? Do you want to self-publish or not? You know, that's a great question, Michelle. Thank you for asking it. And I think this is valuable for the listener because they probably go through similar things. Mm -hmm. I'm a control person. So many times mm -hmm. I like to control things that can be a disadvantage or advantage in life. I think most people know that. And my wife and I have self-published some books okay. and they have gotten out there, but probably haven't done extremely well. And then I also don't like to fool myself in thinking that I have such a platform that a traditional publisher would really be interested. Maybe I'm selling myself short. Maybe I just don't want to be rejected. I don't know. So in answer to your question, that kind of what, that's what goes through my head. You know, would, would I love it for someone to come knock on my RV door and say, hi, Tim, we hear you have a book. We would yes. like to publish it for you. That would be awesome. But I also have to communicate with people to actually do that. How's that Absolutely. for an answer? Absolutely. No, it's good. And, and, you know, there's so many different ways to get to the same result. That's why I, I always ask those questions because it really depends. Mm -hmm. But I will say one thing that's a big misconception with, with publishing in general, regardless if, of, if you self-publish, hybrid publish, or traditionally publish, is that traditional publishers will market it for you. And it's actually not true unless mm -hmm. you do have a huge platform, you're a celebrity, or, but, 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 but they really aren't marketing it the way you would think, meaning they're relying on the platform that that author already established. So any particular person that gets picked up, that that's a requirement. So it's, you're still doing the marketing. So I, my personal take on this now, I'm a little biased because I created a whole company around this bias. But when I was writing my first book, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know anything about publishing. And so, and I had some connections through some Ziegler friends that had traditional publishers. I spoke to one or two of them and I had a proposal. And I remember thinking to myself, well, wait, I'm doing all the work to write the book. Um, it's my story. Like it's my life story. It's not yours. And in the agreement, they were going to own the rights to my story and take a huge amount of the profit. So I thought, I just had a moment. I knew nothing about publishing at the time, but I was like, well, wait a minute. All they're doing is hiring editors and designers. And I can do that. I can figure this out. How hard can it be? Well, it's a little harder than I thought, but <laughs> it, it, was, it was a shift for my thinking. And that's why I changed it. So my, my opinion usually... Now, this generally is for, for nonfiction authors. If you are using the book to, to make a difference, to, to build a platform, to get it out in as many people as possible, um, 
then you should really consider hybrid publishing or self-publishing because you can do it immediately, meaning you don't have to wait two years to get picked up by a literary, you know, a literary agent to shop it to get picked up. You don't have to give up any rights to your royalties at all. I mean, rights to the book or your royalties. Some hybrid publishers do, we don't, but, you know, or, or even self-publishing because nowadays you get the exact same quality as you would as a traditional publisher. In many cases, hybrid publishers are working with the same printers. So in, in my, that's my view and it is a little tainted, but if your goal though, I will back up to say, if your goal was to be in every Barnes and Noble in, in the world, you know, or to walk in and, um, you know, that would be the biggest one or to be that New York Times bestseller. Can it be done hybrid and self? Absolutely. Is it more difficult? Yes. So if that's the goal, then then going down a traditional route is usually the better way to go. Yeah. Um, I have friends, colleagues who are traditional publishers, and I also have other colleagues who are hybrid publishers. We all do it a little bit different. And there are certain times I say, you know what, do not self-publish this, do not hybrid, go straight to this person and they're going to help you out. And other yeah. times I'm like, why, why would you do that? So that's why I ask those questions because it just depends. The, the reason I like that is that maybe in the back of my little mind here, I do have thoughts of movies and other things like that. And so, and there's about 30 more books behind this first book that will be, uh, you know, released and brought to, brought to fruition in pretty rapid succession. So, and fiction, you have a better chance of getting picked up than nonfiction. Yeah. That's a whole so other we, story. But. So, all right, enough about me. Uh, what I would love to do as we wrap up here is let's help the listener who's sitting here going, okay, I might have a story that I need to bring to the world. I would love for you to give a few quick tips or two on next steps for them. Let's okay. say they don't have anything on paper yet, because I do have some things. I've taken these two fingers and I've written 75,000 words. So, so anyway, so uh, um, I'd love to, love to kind of talk about that in a different way. I hear alarms going off somewhere here in the RV. <laughs> so something's happening. I don't know what's going on, but, uh, but anyway, let's talk, let's, let's, as we finish up here, the listener that's going, wow, I might have a story. What mm -hmm. should I do next? And then we'll move into kind of my last few questions, which is how people can connect with you. Cause I know you've got book bound and other things like that, that people can get. So yeah. coach that person okay. that's thinking. I'd love to. So this is what we do for all of our authors, whether they come through an event or we publish their book is we start with, well, what is my story? Finding your topic is one of the hardest things because most people have all of these ideas and, and it's really hard to narrow it in, or you can't see why anyone would care, you know, about that particular part of your story. So this is a great exercise. Um, grab a sheet of paper, just draw a T-chart a on it. And on the left-hand side of the T, just write the word passions. This is what we do for everyone. You could do this on chicken scratch. On the right-hand side of that T, you, do, you write the word experiences. Now, thinking only about passions right now, think about, and this isn't about a book yet, by the way. This is nothing to do with the book, but it will get there, I promise. Think about passion. Like, what are you passionate about? What do you love to do? What are you doing when the time is flying by? You know, what lights you up, whether it's cooking or traveling or, you know, personal development or leading people or you name it, just anything that comes to mind, you want to write it down. And the more you put on this list, the better. So that's, that's the first part. 
Then the second part is kind of erase your mind of your passions and now only think about your experiences. What experiences have you had in, with work professionally? What experiences have you had? You know, are you a parent? Um, you know, have you traveled? Um, you know, own a business, you name it, right? So you're gonna write all those things down. But then here's the tricky part about experience. Experience doesn't have to be something that we wanted to experience, but we still experienced it, right? So a lot of times our story includes things that were painful, divorce, bankruptcy, abuse, low self-esteem, you know, all of these different things. It, it's not that you're writing a book about that, trust me, but it is just who you are. It's a part of your story. So it has to go in that experience column. And again, the more you put on that list, the better. Once you have both lists and you look at them holistically and you just look at them overhead and try to find a connection. I always say it's the intersection. Your, your best story, the, the best book for you to write is the intersection between your passions and your experiences. So what are you passionate about that you also have experienced? I'll give you an example using mine. So I shared my story about going to Zig's conference when I was 18, and I am passionate about personal development. Like if I go to the bookstore, you're going to find me in the personal development or the professional development section all the time. That's just me. Um, I love seminars, all that. So I'm, I'm very passionate about that. I love helping people to find their best selves. So it's a passion. Now on my experience side, well, I did work for Zig Ziglar. That's a, that's a connection because, you know, here he was the master of personal development. Everything I know about personal development, I learned from him. So that, there's a connection there, but I'm going to share something to be very vulnerable. And I don't mind doing it because it, it will help somebody is when I was younger, I mentioned being a people pleaser. So when I was in elementary or in junior high and high school, and maybe even a little bit into college, I, I had low self-esteem and I think that's what caused me to be a people pleaser, but you know, I, I was, I'm not proud of that. I'm not something I want to tell the world, even though I'm telling this podcast, but I have to put it on my experience category because it really shaped a lot of who I am today. It shaped the decisions I made. It shaped the relationships I had. Um, so it's just a part of my story. It goes on my list. Now we're going back to that intersection. I'm passionate about personal development and on my experience side, I have low self-esteem or I did. I had to use personal development to get me out of that. I had to read books. I had to attend seminars. I had to get my mind right, you know? And so there's a connection there. And that happened to be what my first book was about. My first book was called Winning in Life Now, How to Breakthrough to a Happier You. And it wasn't a story about me being a winner in life. It was just my personal story and my ups and downs in life and how I used personal development to kind of pull me out of some things. And oh, by the way, I shared a few things I learned from Zig that's your story. And so kind of the goal of that, what you'll find is you'll have tons of connections, tons of them, if you do it right. Um, but where you really you start is like, what's your core? What do you really, you know, I could talk about personal development. I could talk about this stuff all day. I could talk about helping people find your story because it's connected to finding who they truly are. So that's your story. And, and that's a great exercise to give you the clarity. If nothing else, if you say, well, I don't want to write a book, that's okay. You will see who you are, because you are a combination of your passions, your experiences, your, it's been, those things were given to you by God and their gifts. And, and if you think of it as gifts are meant to be given away, that's why you put it in a book or a podcast, or you put it out on a platform. Yeah. I, the reason I really enjoy what you just said, Michelle, because you're correct. I mean, personal development, leadership, all of those things, mm -hmm. there are a lot of people that can talk about that, but they can't 
merge it with the personal story that you just brought up. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. I mean, I can sit down, I leadership, something I've always been around personal Mm -hmm. development also, you know, and you and I can probably spout off personal development things, but until we make it personal, I don't think it opens up. I mean, Jesus did that. He spoke in parables. He taught, he told stories to get principles across. So that is so good, Michelle. And, you know, I think what I would love for you to do now while we are at this peak moment is go ahead and tell people how they can connect with you. I know you've got seminars, you've got training, you've got some free resources, all of that. Go ahead and let's just let people know how to do that. I'll ask a question or so and we will wrap here because I think for, for the one that really is feeling that tug to get their story out, they just need to know their next step. So share, share with people what that might be. Absolutely. Well, you can find me at michelleprince.com. Uh, that's my main website. Uh, performancepublishinggroup.com, though, that has more details of really, you know, what that looks like. What is the power of authority? Um, you can schedule a strategy session, a free strategy session, if you have an idea for a book. Um, but I'm also on Facebook and Instagram and all of those. Um, I'm I'm not the best on social media, not as good as I, I should be. But again, you know, I'm, I'm in my lane. I, I, you know, I don't, I, I yeah, <laughs> but you can find me and, and I will, I will definitely get back to anybody that reaches out, but I would love to help if no, for no other reason, even if you don't want to write a book, but just to have confidence in, in your story, your backstory, you asked me my elevator story when I first started, right? If it gives somebody the ability to do that, then it's all worth it. Yeah, just to gain clarity there. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for everything, Michelle. Final question I like to ask. I don't know if I prepped you on this, so maybe this might be is we are Uh seek, seek, go create is the title of our Mm -hmm. show. And I like to ask which one of those words, pick one, resonates the most with you and why? And that's our final question. Without a doubt, it's create. I, I used to think it was a, <laughs> a curse, not a gift, because I was constantly creating. I have no lack of ideas. It's just maybe a lack of implementation sometimes. But I, I realized, and I read a great book by um, Jordan Rayner, um, that I'm, the, the, the title is just escaping me, <laughs> but it's about mastery. It's it. something about mastery uh, is, is his podcast, but yeah, I know Jordan, so mm-hmm. that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, is, I can't believe, but it's, in a, it's about creating. And it's all about that God created, God, the creator created us in his image. So we are creation. We are supposed to create and come up with new ideas. And, 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 and you just, you just never know how your one idea or your one story or your podcast or or something is going to change somebody else's life. So um, yeah, create for sure is the word for me. Wow. Michelle, thank you. Thank you so much. I knew I would enjoy this conversation and I have, my only regret is that we couldn't do it for another hour or two, but maybe another, (laughs) maybe another time. If you've listened in, I know this has been a blessing to you. And if it has, I'm going to ask a big favor, please share it. If you're listening on podcast, if you're on YouTube, if you're on any of the socials, please share this. I know that you know someone that has a message a story that needs to get out either via book or any of the other principles that we discussed. So just share it with them. I believe it'll help stir something inside that person 
that will help them. Maybe it's you, but I think there's other people too. Please just share it. Help us get this message out. And we just ask you to continue listening to Seek Go Create. Every Monday, we have new episodes, so we will have that again next week. And until then, continue being all that you were created to be.